I've got an awesome interview today. It's a businessman turned attorney. Unbelievable perspective. You're not going to want to miss this one. This is the Franchise Pitfalls and Profit Show. Each week, we bring you the challenges and triumphs of being in the franchise development and consulting business. The things you need to make money faster. And now your host, one of the most successful franchise developers in North America, Don Shin. Hey, welcome, Tom. I'm excited to have you on the show. As I said in kind of the teaser video there, you have this incredibly unique background that I love. You are a business guy turned attorney. And I've always said, you know, I've always uh, loved attorneys who really have that perspective, real business perspective. So I'm jazzed to, to have you on the on the show with me. You know, uh, appreciate your being on the show. Wow. Let me give you a quick Thank introduction you. here so everybody knows a little bit more about you. Tom got into the franchising world as a franchise and business broker with Sunbelt in Philadelphia, uh, acted as an advisor to clients looking to transition into ownership of a franchise or purchasing an existing business. Uh, he has been lead counsel for dozens of new franchise launches. Uh, he's he's assisted franchisors and franchisees with a variety of legal issues. Uh, he's done private equity transactions, litigations, trademarks, partnerships, real estate deals. Uh, like I said, that's why I love I love Tom uh, of your your background. So so anyway, welcome welcome awesome. to uh, the show. I appreciate you being on. Thanks for having me, Don. Appreciate it very much. Love. You had a little color that you wanted to add when we were chatting, uh, just preparing. You had a little bit of an add-on to my intro, so I'd love to hear a well, little, your your words, how you got into this, you know, crazy industry of franchising. Well, you know, I I had the prequel to the uh, you know to the written bio, which is I had a business when I was in my twenties that did fantastic for about three years and then just went horribly off the rails. I was in manufacturing, we built stuff, and so I always like to. You know, you, you get a lot of scar tissue and I, it was the right time, I guess, in my life to kind of go broke. And I rebooted and then I found the world of franchising and I, I really fell in love with franchising originally, as you mentioned, as a franchise broker and business broker. Uh, I was in my early 30s and I always thought that one of the challenges of being a completely independent business was nobody was looking over your shoulder. Nobody was looking around corners. No one was thinking like, hey, what's going to happen? And that was what our wipeout, we were in the manufacturing industry that there was no... There was no adjustment to, to what was happening. So, you know, that business blew up. I got into it, and, um, had this crazy idea to start thinking about going to law school. I had gotten hired by uh, by Rita's Italian Ice, Philly brand, good Philly brand, about oh, yeah. 300 units. I was there for three years. I built them up to over 500 units, you know, joined the IFA, really got knee deep into it. And I went to law school at night. And, you know, the only... The only thing law school did wrong was they didn't put my wife's name on the diploma because uh, she was, uh, you know, she was the saint with two with two kids at home, and oh, um, you know, and and I did that. I, I guess I enrolled in law school when I was thirty four, and I and and started the law firm. So I always like to tell people I I paid for law school by selling franchises during the day, and uh, and I guess that's a separating factor. I love it. No, I, I love it. And I, I've always heard, you know, if, if you really want to be with somebody successful, either getting advice from them or, or from them or whatever it might be, go to one who's failed in business uh, yes. because they got back up. And, and, and if they're still in business for themselves, they, they know what they're doing now. And, it, and I, you know, I also I share a little bit of story about me that, that um, 
when I worked for a large company, our the the Fortune 500 company I was working for, we were larger than our next 50 competitors combined. And uh, we actually had consultants come in and tell us, you guys are playing not to fail. You're not playing to win. And um, and that was a that was a real awakening as I you know started to go into business for myself. There's a big, big difference there. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great line. Um, and it's true. You know, you see that. And and I always like to say we're really the founders law firm. I mean, we 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 deal now we just deal with with franchisors only and it's founders because of that, not the big Fortune 500, not the plane, not the fail. Because you know, it's hard. Franchising's hard. It's a it's a hard gig, man. And yeah. and um it brings me a lot of joy when you see franchisors just pushing ahead. Um, you see it, you see the valuations, you see what they're building, but I think people don't realize. It's a much riskier proposition to be a franchisor than it is to be a franchisee. And there's nothing wrong with that. You just got to know what, what what side of the fence you're comfortable playing on. So so let's start there because I've got a bunch of questions uh, yeah. that I that I know the audience is going to be really interested in. So when you look at uh, at a, a wannabe uh, franchisor, somebody that goes, hey, you know, a friend of mine told me I've got a great idea. I should franchise this. What what do you think people should be looking at? How should they you know, look in the mirror and self-reflect, what should they be looking at before they even think about doing this? It's a terrific question. One that I, I talk a lot about. I think you have to recognize that franchising is a, is a growth and scalability strategy. And so as a business owner, you have to have, you have to really understand the why that, you know, if you run a small business and you're successful, that's a, that's an engine to pay for your kid's college. If you want to be a successful franchisor, you're potentially building generational wealth to pay for your grandkids' college. So when you think about it, it's a much bigger play, and you have to understand that you know when you open a small business, you know except for maybe service businesses or, or things that take a long time to scale. For the most part, you should be cash flow positive pretty early, or yeah. something's gone wrong. Whereas a franchisor is playing the long game. You're building it almost like a software. It's a residual income play. So I say to people. One, you, you have to have good cash flow. You have to have money in the bank. You have to be ready to, now it doesn't cost millions of dollars to franchise your business, but you know it, it can cost some money. We, we can get into the weeds on that. But you also have to have, the other thing that I think people don't, don't really dig into enough. If someone comes to me, you know, Don's like, oh, I wanna franchise my business. Are you spending 20 hours or less in your core business? If you're not, you're not ready to franchise. You know, go Michael Gerber, go read the e-myth. Get your business running itself because you are about to launch a business model that will <clears throat> gobble up your time and your attention if you're going to do it right. So I don't think it's how many units you have, how many dollars you have. You have to have a profitable business that is running well enough that you can focus on this new industry and recognize that you might be an expert on making cupcakes. You might be an expert on cleaning carpets but you're new to franchising and you have to go in as humble as you were when you started your first business and, you know, talk to guys like yourself and, and, and gobble up that knowledge. And so that would be my advice. It's more yeah, it's so about what's between your ears and what's in your mind than necessarily even what's in your pocketbook. Cause I've had plenty of people who did it on, I don't recommend it, but I've had plenty of people who did it on a shoestring <laughs> budget and they yeah. muscled their way through um, yeah. and they were successful. And plenty of people who were super capitalized, but they didn't have it in their head of what they were getting into and they weren't successful. Yeah, I, I tell people it's another business. 
It's like starting a whole nother business. And if you're not, like you said, if you're, if you're still deeply in, in, engaged in the, in the corporate unit or units that you're, that, that you own the flagships, and now you're starting a, a whole nother business, it, it's not going to work. You're not going to have the bandwidth to really pull it off. Yep. And I've seen, and the profitability, I mean, that's one of my, on my checklist before I'll work with somebody, it's the profitability. I mean, I learned early on, you know, my hope I could help anybody, you know, but, but, but I, I, I learned in talking to a lot of people that, you know, they thought becoming the franchisor was how they were going to make money because their corporate, so to speak, you know, their corporate unit or their first unit wasn't making enough money for, for it's like that old joke, right? The change bank. Well, we're gonna make it up on volume. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly it. And I'm I go like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing that. Anyway, that's great. So yeah. so that's talking about the franchisor. So you've seen countless number of franchisees around as well. What what do you think? You know, who do you think should own a franchise or go in the business for themselves uh, via franchising? And who should keep their day job? What any any thoughts on the franchisee side? You know, I, I think as a franchisee, I mean, I'm, I believe very much in business ownership. I believe that you actually have less risk than, you know, the classic diversity. You know, when you're, when you work for somebody, you have one customer. And if mm-hmm. that one customer goes south, you're in trouble. And so I think there's a false sense of security in the corporate world. I know that's probably not a, you know, people think it's super risky to go into your own business. I actually don't. I, I think it is risky in the beginning. But, you know, you have to have the mindset that you are responsible for your own success or failure. If you don't have that mindset, then you're probably not going to be successful as a small business owner. I think uh, uh, the successful small business, you know, the people who are like, give me, give me, I'm just here. And how come, you know, they're 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 more needy than they are action people. You have to be an action person. You know, you just got to go. And and so I think it's potentially for anyone. But once again, it's, it's, it's a head game. If, if you have your head in the game and you're comfortable enough with a little bit of uncertainty and you're comfortable enough with kind of going out there, then franchising is really, especially someone who has a little bit of fear of going into their own business. Yeah. I think franchising is the best way ever invented for someone to have autonomy, but yet support. I go back to that example I said, someone looking over your shoulder, you have kind of a shared interest of being successful. Um, and go in with the right mindset, right? If you're a franchisee, you know, you're not going in for the generational wealth. You're going in to pay for the kids' college, to have autonomy, to have control, to get some joy out of your work every day because you're actually in doing something, um, you know, but you're not completely alone. And, and that's the trade-off, but it's it's less risky. Yeah, and I two things, uh, just re- recapping. Uh, I, we used to say, um, you know, when when you're when you're employed, you have one customer. When you own your own business, you have multiple customers. So when you're employed, if you lose your one customer, you're kind of screwed. But as a business owner, you lose a client or a customer, and and you're still okay because you have a bunch of other customers. That's and, exactly right. And, it's, and you uh, hit it's the nail on the head. Safety. And you hit the nail on the head about the mindset thing too. Um, I found, you know, I was a master franchisee for 15 years, and 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 what I what I discovered is that. When they sign, and you're an attorney, so when they sign the papers, they're legally a business owner. But but in their mind, they don't instantly have the mindset of the business owner. 
you know, they have that employee mindset. So in my master franchisee, I, I used to create kind of a bridge program. Uh, we used to call it a ramp up or a kickstart program. And that bridged them from the employer being an employee to being a business owner. And some honestly, sometimes it took people, you know, two months. Sometimes it took them six months. And occasionally some people never got there. I, you know? I love that, Don. I mean, it's very similar when we're talking about franchisors being in a different business. They go from their core business. Now they're in a different. It's kind of the same thing. You know, I tell people if you go through that process and this might sound you know, funny coming from an attorney, but like the franchise agreement, look, it's it's going to be geared towards the franchisor. They're yeah. going to have the strength in the relationship. They're yeah. the coach and you're the player. If you go into this relationship thinking you're going to change everything, then you are not mentally ready to be a franchisee. Right. My advice, even people when I represent franchisees or my brother wants to be a franchisee, you know what I say? The franchisor tells you to do this 20 times a month, do it 50. I've never met a franchisee who wasn't successful, who doubled down on everything the franchisor said. And if you're not drinking the Kool-Aid and you don't trust them anymore and you think it's a bad relationship, then get out, sell the business. And the franchisor though, it's not so easy for them to get you out, but it's easier for you to bail. So it kind of makes sense when you think about how strict it is. And the brand standards matter. You know, you, you were a master and you knew that, you know, if I'm if I'm buying a franchisee from you and, you know, the knucklehead down the street who bought a franchise from you is not following brand standards and getting one star Google reviews, that's affecting my relationship and my investment. So I want you to actually be powerful and in charge of this relationship, not because you're going to enforce the rules against me. I'm going to follow them voluntarily because I want you enforcing them against the guy down the street. And so the stronger the franchise, the stronger the brand. Yeah, there are exceptions. Yes, there's abuses. They're the easy ones to talk about that make the headlines. Yeah, but for right. the vast majority, franchising as a system, it, it works really well. That's why it grows. Yeah. That's why it's growing. Yep, yep. So it brings up an, an interesting uh, point, an interesting thought, and that is that um, the the strength of a franchisor, you, you, you know, again, as we were preparing for today, some of our audience are people looking at buying a franchise. So who would know better than you know the strength of a of a of a franchise concept than you? Uh, so just some thoughts on what what would you look at, or as you advise, you know, I, I know you don't do this anymore, but if somebody brought you an FDD uh, and a concept to look at when you used to do that, what what would you advise them to be looking at? I think this would be a really a really yeah good no it's it's a great so so I think first off a franchise a prospective franchisee has to make a decision: do they want to be in a franchise or not? Right. And then when they go through it, you know, they should get a franchise lawyer to look at the document. And I I don't review FDGs anymore, so I can like say that without, you know, any bias or saying I'm not, you know, I'm not hawking my own wares here. <laughs> but they need someone to understand the agreement and they need to understand that the, the the analogy I would use is when you're buying a franchise, it's like leasing a car versus buying a car. When you lease a car, you get more vehicle then you might have been able to pay for that same, you know, you pay 600, 500 bucks a month, you're going to be able to get more vehicle leasing than purchasing, but it comes with restrictions. You can't paint the car purple. You have to hand, there's a certain amount of time. There's certain things that are there that you have to follow these rule books. Well, it's the same thing. You're leasing a business. It's the franchisor's brand, and you are essentially renting their business model to start your own business, which yeah. what does that mean? 
it means you're accelerating the process. You're accelerating the process of learning. You're buying all the mistakes and stupid things they did over the last decade and all the problems and things that they know about their brand that doesn't work and probably won't work in your market. That's what you're paying for. When it comes to the documents, you know, you have to get your FDD and, and just for those, probably everybody here, but you know, the, the big picture is the FDD, the first half, 60, 80 pages is a disclosure, 23 items. It's all about the franchisor. What the, it, it allows you to compare apples to apples, whether it's a McDonald's, whether it's an action coach, whatever it is, there are going to be these 23 uniform items. It's going to give you the history. Red flags. I look at litigation. I would look at litigation and bankruptcy, item three and four. Now, if a, if a franchise system has a thousand units, they're probably going to have a couple pieces of litigation and some scar tissue. If they have 10 units and they have litigation, well, that's potentially a problem because, you know, my, my, um, I would say my, my brother's a commercial pilot for United and not that I should be talking to him about plane crashes, but, you know, we talk about stuff like that. And he says, you know, a plane crash, it's, 19 bad things have to happen in the exact order for something to go wrong. There's always yeah. fail-safes. I look at litigation like that. There is no reason, you know, you know, this might be unpopular with my peers and, uh, and my competitors, but like we, we preach against litigation, just write people a check and get out of Dodge. So if you have all this litigation, that means the franchisor is a bad leader and a bad coach, and they didn't really manage that process. So that's a red flag to me. And then I think you have to be recognize that when you're looking at like, say, item 19, which is the earnings and you're looking at item seven, you know, it's like taking your glasses off and looking at one of those French paintings. That's just kind of like that my wife loves. It's, you know, it's it's sort of like a park. And I think I see the bridge and there's a couple of trees, <laughs> but it doesn't really tell you that's an oak tree and that's a birch tree. And there's this much water in the thing. It gives you a rough approximation. It's your business. So don't, if you want a straight ROI, buy an apartment building, go to Vanguard and buy a mutual fund. That's not what franchising is all about. It's going to give you a target. It's going to point you in the right direction. But, you know, you can take a spreadsheet and chew it up and put any assumptions in there. Don't kid yourself for bad or for worse. So the most important item, if you're looking at buying a franchise, the single most important I used to do this when I did this. I would do training and I would do like a David Letterman. I guess. Yeah. I'm oh, yeah, now. yeah. That's great. David Letterman, you know, backwards from 10. And the number one <laughs> most important FDD item was not anything to do with financials. It was item 20. Other franchisees. You pick up the phone. You go get a cup of coffee. And if you're looking at buying a franchise, you go meet and talk. So item 20, those of you just exploring this, is the list of active franchisees the list of people who left the system in the last two years, you know, they sold or they got talked to as many people. It's a human business. It's yeah. a relationship business. You want to know when things got tough, when you misunderstood something, how the yeah. franchisor teach you, were they whipping out the contract and beating you over the head with it saying, you got to go to clause 17.1. Now, look, if you're like a masochist and maybe you came out of the army and you love to be beat on with codes and maybe that's the right franchise or for you, but you need to do an exploration to understand, you know, what you're getting into. And the best people who are going to tell you that are the existing franchisees. So that's where you should, you should read every other piece. You should get a lawyer to go through the contract. You should understand the default clauses. You know, you're not going to change yeah. a lot of stuff. I could do a whole show on that. And I talk to anybody offline on that, but recognize that at the end of the day, it's a relationship business. 
and the existing franchisees are going to give you. And for those franchisors in the audience, take care of your franchisees and have them make money because they're the ones who are going to talk to your prospective franchisees. So it's a giant feedback loop that helps everybody. It's hilarious because I didn't even ask you the question. You're answering the question. I, you know, this must be uh, some telepathy, mental telepathy going on because I that those are the things I was really going to start to ask you. What are some of the best advice for franchisors? What are the, some of the best advice for franchisees? I think it's brilliant what you're saying about about talking to the to the uh, franchise partners because um, we all know it's there. You know, we all know it's in the, it's in the process. Uh, but for you, I think from an, uh, you know, an attorney, a law perspective saying that's the best, you know, that's the most important thing. I think that's awesome. I mean, I think that's really, really brilliant. Um, anything, you know, some of our audience are, you know, broker consultants. Um, any any thoughts uh, for them? You know, what yeah. what are are there any pitfalls for them? Are there any, you know, any uh, any things they need to be avoiding or any things they need to be doing? Well, I would say that they really have to um, they really have to practice and prep the single most asked question in the franchise sales process is I think the single worst is the, is the one that is um, answered incorrectly the most, which is how much money can I make? And so prospects are going to ask that. So this is really focused on uh, the brokers and consultants who get asked that a lot. It's also focused on the franchisee perspectives to know about how you ask that question. And the answer is, I don't know. And it doesn't mean you're given a wrong answer. So the worst answer in the world is, I can't tell you that because that they don't have an item 19. That's you, When you say, I can't tell you that, you're implying that someone knows this magic answer and it's locked in a treasure chest and you just don't have a treasure map. It's not true. You don't know the answer to that. So, And the reason you don't know the answer is you have to challenge them and say, look, we're the they're, the franchisor is the coach and you're the player and we're going to put you on third date and we're you're going to go out there. But... I don't know how well you're going to pass the ball in the end. Once you get in a live game, once you get in a live game, we're going to give you every tool possible, but you're taking the field and you're going to play. And, you know, we have some people who we think are the best prospect in the world and they were top in the yeah. draft and they collapse. And some people we are like, should we really give them a franchise? And they crush it. Yeah. So yeah, very I true. Think you have to be, I think you have to challenge them and even telling them when you talk to other franchisees, you're not trying to elicit how much money can you make. You want this range, right? Back to that glasses off, rough range. You know, is this a million dollar business? Is this a hundred thousand dollar business? Right, is this right. a business with 20 employees or 10? Is this a, you know, is this something where it's, you know, it's about high risk, high growth, or is this something about stability? Those are things you're kind of elicit and you'll get kind of a sense of what you're going to make, but be realistic. And you have such a range, every system from the best systems yeah. to the worst. And so as a, broker and consultant, you're trying to match their culture and personality. So it's even more important. So I would say that your job as a broker, and I was one, right? And and, and yeah, that, yeah. And and so I, I had some success there. And it was more about listening and saying, you know, you an engineer and you know you're you're not a sales type person. You're not going to get out there with a gift of gad. You're not going to go to the you're not going to go to the Chamber of Commerce business. Well, you know, don't blow that off if that's what the franchisees are telling you is what made them successful. Maybe you should be in a business where the franchisor takes care of the sales and your job is execution because right. you do a great job and you know that you're going to have the cleanest bathroom in the system. And if you're a food franchisor, that's going to pay dividends and you're going to have everything buttoned up. And maybe you're a moving company. We don't interact with the clients, so to speak, or have to sell, but you have to really execute because people are in this high stress business. So 
you have to say what's your personality what's your what culture do you want to be around and that goes back to the item 20 and as a broker you need to coach them to ask the question don't you're yes. going to get in trouble yes. when you answer a question how much money can i make oh yeah you made 150 grand you should be you know you should be able to you should be able to um, duplicate that income in 6 months oh my god you just made a <laughs> you just made a friend of all my lawyer friends who litigate on behalf of franchisees don't say that say you know i don't know ask that's a good question to, to yeah. ask your job is to to validate whether they're good questions your job is to give them questions not give them answers let them find the answer and by the way it's a better way to solve a franchise because it's like it's like finding a spouse this is a huge emotional decision yes. it's massive yes. so you're not going to talk them into it you're not that good a salesperson you're not going to talk them into it or you shouldn't or you're going to talk them into a wrong match and they're not going to be happy and that's going to hurt you in the long run your job is to just coach them and guide them and point them in the right direction and let them figure it out for themselves and that's what they'll be thankful for and and i think that's advice to Franchise uh, absolutely. And I, and I, you know, really, and I, you know, I'll, I'm guilty as well um, with the, I really can't tell you that. Uh, and so for, for those fellow brokers, consultants out there, make the shift here. I don't know. Here's the reasons why I don't know. And, and that was awesome. That was really awesome. Hey, there's two more questions, Tom. I yeah. wanted to, I wanted to bounce off of you. Um, one is, you know, we both just came, came back from IFA, from the IFA convention which um, I'm sure you go all the time. This was my first year, so it was a bit overwhelming, but it was was really awesome. Um, what are, what are you, not necessarily just from IFA, but what are you seeing in business right now? Um, is there anything trending, anything that, again, people in our space, uh, you're thinking of buying a franchise or helping others buy franchises. Is there anything going on in business right now from your perspective that you're seeing that would that the audience would be, uh, would, you know, would benefit from? I think you're seeing the professionalization of franchising. And, and what I mean by that is you're seeing a lot of these platforms that are gobbling up emerging franchisors. And I think that it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. The good part of it is they're putting money in place, they're putting IT in place, they're putting systems in place. Um, but you're getting a little bit away from the passion of the owner sometimes. And so I think it puts a lot of pressure on a new franchisor to understand that they are now competing against these larger platforms. So as a franchisee, it goes to culture. You know, a, a platform play, so to speak, you're gonna have a lot less leeway. You might have a lot more resources, but you might have a lot less leeway. They're probably gonna hold you to the letter of the law because yeah. they have their own private equity. Law. So the trade-off is more resources, more systems, not a lot of play. With a franchisor, you're going to be part of a smaller family, and so you might like that more. Um, so I would say I would just see this trend of, and the other trend, uh, franchisors are just, the valuations are off the charts, and they mm. just keep growing. And I think it's because they realize that it's a really wonderful business model on the franchisor side. It's yeah. repeat business. It's as long as you take care of your franchisees, they're happy to pay their royalties because they know that the sum of the parts is greater than the whole they're trending so but but you you need to um if you're an emerging brand and you're an emerging franchisor i think you have to recognize that um that you're now competing against much bigger brands who are sucking some of the oxygen out and if you're a franchisee looking into it you also have to recognize that 
you may, this may not be your business for life because a new owner might come in and you may not like that direction and it's okay to sell the business. This becoming a franchisee is learning how to get into your own business and being a franchisee. Don't put so many emotional eggs into the basket. Take it as you're leasing that car. Remember, but you may have other cars. That, that would be my advice. Yeah, and that, that's a great tip for, I think, for the consultants out there as you're matching somebody, you know, which, which uh, you know, if you got someone with more, someone with the more of the passion and, and the involvement, you, you might want to direct them to certain certain brands versus, like you said, the the more uh, professional equity sponsored platform. That That's awesome. That is awesome. All right. This is the very last question, I promise, because um, I always I always end with this. Is there anything that I haven't asked? Uh, or anything we really haven't touched on that, that again, you know, the audience that you, you know, you would want to close with or just be sure, hey, I, I, I needed to get this point out there to them. Anything come to mind, Tom? You know, I, I, I think patience is underrated. I think if you're a franchisor or a franchisee or a broker or anybody in the franchise space, and I might be saying this and, and I might be telling myself this as well, because I'm by nature a super impatient person. I love getting back. But I think when you're a, when you're a business owner, you have to have a certain degree of grit and patience. And I think it's underrated. And I think people gloss over it. And I think when people go through the franchise sales process, they make it sound like the most wonderful thing <clears throat> in the world. And it is the most wonderful thing in the world. But it's like anything of value. It's hard work. And there will be days that you thought you made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Push through them. Push through them to the other side because if it's done right, there's no better autonomy, I think, than owning your own business and being independent and taking care of your family and taking care of your own mental health. It's like the best place to be. And that doesn't come cost-free. So be patient and push through hard times. And it's something we never talk about because we always talk about the good stuff. We don't always talk about the bad stuff. And it's not anyone's fault. It's just the it's just the cost of, of be getting that autonomy. Yeah, you're still a business owner uh, and um, it's not plug and play. Like when you buy a new computer, you just open up the box, you put a couple cables together, right. plug it in and it works. It's not it's not like that. You're still a business owner with a, with a lot of the the challenges. And and uh, I, I remember vividly um, uh, having situations in my first year as a master franchisee, but still a franchisee. And um, if I if that had happened to me sort of in my corporate days, you know, I'd have gone off into a corner and whined and cried and fussed for a week and it wouldn't have made any difference. But right. if I did that as the business owner, as a franchise owner, I just lost a week, you know, and how much money did I just lose? So so patience and grit is just a, a huge, uh, huge closing thought. Hey, Tom, thanks, man. We appreciate you. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, Don.